And we're off. Jamie Williams, fresh from the forest with John Fletcher. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, really good, really good. Uh, romantic walk with Fletch. Um, second one we've had now, so... I feel like you're having an affair. I feel like you're having an affair with one member of the Magic Academy. This is it. This is it. Um, it used to be coffees. It's now... Uh, the bromance has, has, has really moved on a, a stage, I think. Um, but yeah, hey, listen. Cool, cool, cool little walk. We, we try and catch up when he's in the country. I'm sure Christine's not very happy about that. Um, he's definitely having an affair with me um, over Christine, I think, unfortunately, at the moment. But uh, no, it was cool. Um, me and John go back quite a long way. Um, in fact, that's probably, you know, how we've come to this conversation. I think I hooked up with you uh, because, of, because of him. Um, been really fortunate to have uh, long walks in woods, many coffee, uh, coffee conversations and uh, lots and lots of car park and pitch side conversations with John. Um, so uh, just wanted to kind of throw that one in there from the start because I'm, I'm genuinely really grateful for his contribution towards my development um, for introducing me to yourself. I think the work that you guys are doing is unbelievable. I really do. I think uh, it's, we're only at the start of a movement and uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty exciting one, exciting one at that. Um, not sure if you spoke to John, but the, probably the most exciting thing about our journey is he's seen me when I was really rubbish. Cool. Uh, so so I've, got some, I've got some feedback on the first session he watched you in. Nice. No, uh, that'd be, that'd well, be I mean, what, what were your thoughts? So you, you, we chatted about this the other day and you said, oh, God, Fletcher's one of the first people to kind of come and watch me coach. Uh, what do you think he would have said about you? Um. <clears throat> Yeah, so I mean, it was probably 10 years ago now. So um, his eldest son, Ollie, um, would have been in, in that group. It was definitely at a time looking back that um, I thought I knew everything. Um, it was definitely uh, before the eureka moment of finding out how much there is to know and still to find out. Um, what would he say? Uh, I'd like to say I was full of enthusiasm. No, he doesn't say that. He'd probably say um, it was a lot about me and not much about the kids. <laughs> um, he'd probably say I was very loud. Um, and, and when I say loud, I don't necessarily mean shouting. I just mean um, I was in the room more than maybe I was recognising there were other people in the room. Um, I don't know. What did he say? I'm interested. Uh, what three words do you think he used to describe it? The first experience, uh, painful. Uh, <clears throat> um, Entertaining and, uh, wow, who knows, chaotic. He actually put informative, challenging and inspiring. Oh, he's very kind. That's, he said, and, yeah, and he would be honest, he put, first time I saw him, he was the best football coach I'd seen. I'm very engaged with the kids. My kids loved being coached by him. That's the litmus test. Uh, lots of touches on the ball, engaged with individuals. Um, he would probably be less structured and progressive in the structure of his sessions. They often finished with a game, uh, slash the best bit, and everything was about getting to that. So I think probably around the session structure would be much more around, you know, me and my ball time, a bit of technical stuff, build up to s some other stuff and then finish with a game. Would that, would that resonate? That would figure. I mean, that, that, that's, that's all I knew. Um, I think I coached the way that I was coached. I think I coached the way that um, the coaching badges um, told you to coach. Um, so you'd, you'd teach a technique, you'd then develop it into some form of skill practice, you'd then develop it into into a game. Um, I quickly be 
became aware that um, the kids are turning up to play the game um, and that it, just, it doesn't need to be a reward. Um, you know, that, that old adage of if, if you behave um, over the next 40 minutes, you can have 20 minutes of a match at the end. That, that doesn't wash with me anymore. For me, often we'll start with a game if we, if we decide to move away from it and, and do some more... Um, I guess some more focused um, con- constraints-based activity or whether it's a practice of some sort um, will really be determined by w- what comes out of the, the opening stages. But if we can learn and play within a, something that represents the game, then, then absolutely that's where I'm at at the moment. Nice. What, um, so what would, be the, you know, what would be the two or three things you would hope would be the major differences and, and why from, from 10 years ago, even though... Fletcher's giving you a pretty decent, you know, it's on Rotten Tomatoes, you'd be at least a 70%. <laughs> uh, what, would it, what would have changed? Um, I think probably, I mean, the biggest realisation is recognising that it's not about me. Um, I'd like to think that I, cr- I created a good environment back then, um, but I think the environment was, was dependent on myself. Um, I'd like to think now that... Um, the the environment is centered around the children their needs and wants and i've become hopefully a little bit more responsive to individuals that are in the room rather than planned for the individuals that are in the room um, in fact i would have planned for the group i then became a little bit better at planning for individuals i now want to respond better to individuals i think um yeah you hear a lot of personalized learning stuff we must personalize uh, learning for the kids um I really agree with that. Um, I do worry that that takes us towards um, being pre-planned for the individual rather than responsive towards the individual. I think that's key. Cool. I like that word. I would be useful way of reflecting on sessions of how did you adapt or how did you respond to to the group and to the individuals. So bring to life the best ways you've done that. So cool. There's one. What are the two things? Would we? Uh, I think ask more questions than give answers. So, um, yeah, just, just be really, um, really curious about stuff. Um, accept that there's no one way. Um, give, give kids lots and lots of times to play around and explore and experiment um, and be really comfortable that that might take a long time um, and that um, the, the, give kids the opportunity to fall upon things. Um, so maybe point them in in some direction, but don't, make that the only direction um again the other one um I, th- I think for me would be probably the most powerful thing that i use is to say i don't know let's find out so if players have got questions um for me i try not to give them an answer um i try really hard not to give them answers um even if i know you know if i have some ideas I'll still try and use, I don't know, let's find out. I like that. Did Fletch talk to you about uh, <coughs> show me on the, on the walk today? Was he talking about show me? Um, yeah, uh, no, but I'm aware of it. So don't tell me, show me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really powerful. That's really yeah. powerful. What, what are you thinking in that area? I'm thinking exactly probably what you're thinking, that we could easily create a generation of kids that are good at answering questions, which... I mean, I would definitely want kids that can ask questions and, and, and also answer questions, however, perhaps, and then not able to, to put it onto the pitch. So um, I think more questions where 
you actually say, look, I don't want you to answer this now, but actually I want to see it on the pitch. Or, you know, if, if someone offers a solution, then actually show me. I want you to, you know, let's show me three, four times. I want to see it in action. Because uh, ultimately it's about delivering it on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some stuff around learning and, and how people learn, um, particularly when kids get older, um, that will say that um, describing and, and teaching someone else how to do something is really powerful. So yes. I think follow on from show me. Um, I think telling a peer, I think um, supporting a peer in their development um, is really, really useful as well. I would, I would definitely promote that. No, so that's ninja level. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm nowhere Coach it. Coach it is ninja level. <clears throat> um, cool. One of the questions Fletcher asked next was about, so in your coaching team, so I'm imagining you coaching now, um, he said there's four in your coaching team. Uh, is, that, is that in the, at the football club? So uh, how does that work? How do you work as a four? So generally I do a lot of coach development stuff and we'd speak about co-coaching and I usually only go up to three. So... You've trumped me again. You're at ninja level. You've got four coaches. What does that look like? What's the, what's the benefits? What's the unintended consequences? Um, I, th- I think there, well, sometimes we have uh, four. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say we always do. Um, when we're all out on the grass, I think sometimes we get complacent. I think sometimes you can be complacent with having too much resource. Um, I think some of the best coaching actually comes when... Um, some of those resources are taken away. Um, on a good day, what does it look like? I think we'll have had a conversation beforehand about what things we're looking for. Um, so I think the art of noticing is really important in coaching. That would be an area that I've skilled myself in um, and and am continuing to try and observe a little bit better. But I guess going out with a um, a, a, a semi-planned approach as far as, as far as what it is you might want to look for and to get people looking at different areas. So actually looking at the social side of stuff, how do people interact um, when, when the ball is not rolling, um, who takes on leadership roles. I, I tend to, if I'm working with older players, which I do now often, um, I tend to take on more of a, um, a role that looks at maybe the, the, the person inside the player rather than purely the player. We've got some really good, um, sort of technical, technical, tactical staff um, who who have very, very good knowledge and background experience in the game. Um, I'm more interested in how 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 children and young people interact, um, how they approach different sort of experiences. So when they're faced with adversity, what does that actually look like? What strategies have they got in place um, to try and overcome those? Cool. Couple of questions. Uh... How have you upskilled yourself at noticing? Um, I think by uh, consciously making an effort to do it would be one. Um, I think the other one is by asking yourself, um, what is it you're going to look for? How am I going to look for it? What am I going to, uh, sorry, when am I going to go looking for it? And be really clear on the why. Now, obviously, depending on what it is that you go looking for will determine the rest of those questions. Um, I think, Planning how it is you're going to go and look and when you're going to look is quite, quite, quite useful. Cool. I was thinking about some stuff I was thinking about was um, actually maybe even just keeping a written record of what you notice. Um, so even just a piece of paper, maybe also thinking about 
you know, separating coaches out and then comparing what you noticed, that might actually start to establish some of your biases and make you aware of those. So that might be, so I guess that's something you're also exploring is actually your, your biases as a coach. Yeah. I mean, I think a huge one is, is, um, is collaborating with other people. So whether it's coaches within your own uh, club, whether it's uh, coaches from other clubs, I think it's really, really valuable um, to just see what other people are noticing. Um, mm. We all, we all approach, um, I guess, situations with, with a different lens. Um, you know, we, we, we come to the world with a different perspective slightly. Um, I think it's really valuable to just connect those and see, you would see things that I wouldn't see, Rusty. Uh, Fletch would see things that neither of us have seen. If you keep them all to yourself, I think that's one of the problems with coaching at times is that we, we get stuck in our own little world. We want to keep everything to ourselves, whether they're good things or bad things. Um, I just think it's good to be a little bit more open. That's that's what was good about today's uh, walk in the forest was there's, it's a really safe environment to walk around and, um, and and basically share your failings as a coach, um, share the things that you're really enjoying as a coach and, and know that actually the person uh, on the receiving end, so in this case, um, Fletch, um, you know, will just, just offer some support around it. Did you carve your initials in trees together? Uh, no, no, we didn't. That might be our next um, romantic walk. Uh, I mean, I mean, on on that one, one of the things that we talked about around the forest, and I think this is this is a pretty cool analogy for coaching. Um, the last time we went to uh, the forest, we we went off on various paths, and today we took an entirely different route. Um, and, and I think the analogy of the forest um, is. I guess it's a good one for coaching and learning. I think you enter the you enter the uh, the forest face with a choice. You can either follow the worn and familiar paths, um, or you can explore the unfamiliar areas. You can go off piste if you like. You can go travel somewhere new. And and we had a bit of a discussion um, around you know th- those two. So if you repeat the beaten track again and again and again, that's for me. That's that's kind of the coach as an instructor. Um, follow me, learner as follower, um, which is very top down. Uh, the coach, you know, dictates where we go and how, uh, which path we follow. Um, so clearly, that's going to promote more routine behaviours. Dependent learners. If you go off the beaten track, so if you allow for exploration um, in your coaching environment, coach maybe plays more of a role of observer. Uh, the, the the player is is clearly an explorer, maybe a discoverer. Um, it's the, it's it's on their terms. So whether that's a young learner or an old learner, it's on their terms. They're they're exploring, they're adapting to the environment, the new paths that they fall upon. Um, they become more independent. Um, as a coach, I certainly know which one I would rather uh, lead lead the players down. And 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 I think it, it maybe presents uh, some arguments for the restrictions of hands-on coaching. Um, and some of the benefits for more hands-off coaching. So if you're a little bit more hands-off and you create an environment which can be explored, think about the variety of experiences that then leads to potentially broader skill demands and, and, and a broader skill set. Um, I guess an increased likelihood of, of facing some psychological challenges where actually I'm facing a problem that I have to overcome and I'm going to have to explore some strategies to get around it. Um, and above all else, and, and again, this is something that some coaches do very well and many don't, um, 
actually leave it open to new discoveries. So particularly coaches of young people, I think it's, it's more follow me because I know best. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure I, that washes with me. You know, I think um, they've got an awful lot to offer. They're viewing the world from a different, from a different uh, viewpoint. Um, and I think we just have to take our hands off a little bit and let them, let them go. Yeah, I mean, my, my view would be, and I've been fortunate enough to coach lots of players that have been much better rugby players than me. Actually, if I, if I led them down my path, then they wouldn't be very good rugby players, would be my view. You mentioned adversity a couple of times and people dealing with that. Um, how, are you, how are you putting that into sessions? How are you weaving that into sessions? Or does that look like? Um, I, I mean, I think, firstly, um, struggle and stretch is, a, is, is really, really important in sessions. So um, getting excited by the problems rather than stressed out and worried about the problems would be a good start point. Um, I'm really fortunate to work with somebody um, who embraces struggle as a coach. I think he does that really, really well. He, um, he, he will leave kids to struggle for long, long periods. I think what needs to be around that is... Is, is high levels of support. Um, so support uh, that's built on, uh, on trust, uh, support that's, um, I guess, unconditional. So, we're, you know, we're not going to go down your throats um, for, for making, making mistakes. Um, in fact, we'll get pretty excited by the mistakes ourselves. Um, and, and, yeah, just, I guess, observing behaviours um, and then supporting... Uh, as and where we see need, but but above all else, actually, just just leaving the kids to get on with it is is a really powerful tool. Yeah, I wrote down my biases for something last night, and they, my sense is that I would tend to focus on positives, um, and, and actually, I can then use it to stretch. I could I could use it better to stretch. I prefer informal over formal. I don't like measuring stuff or putting it in spreadsheets. I like attending to it. I'm yeah. very easily bored. Uh, I don't follow structure, so we're already at the stage into this interview where I'm thinking, I didn't even talk about your story. Um, people need to own their own development, so I often need to get better at scaffolding the people that find that hard. Uh, I want to ask questions. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, stories really resonate with me and have impact, and my preference is to coach through games. So... It was, it was interesting just trying to think about that stuff. And, and, and on that, so how have, how have you ended up here today? What's, what's been your journey to get to, to the forest with Fletch? Um, what was your journey to John Fletcher observing you 10 years ago? Yes, the journey would be uh, fresh into coaching, um, I guess, through a, through a positive um, early sports experience that then led to some work experience with a, with a local coaching company. At what that, age? Sorry? At what age? Uh, so I would have been 16 when I was on that work experience. So uh, two years, two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You're about right. You're the about youngest right. looking man I know. Yeah. Youngest looking man, but uh, fortunately I'm on the other side of 30 now, believe it or not, which is amazing. Um, but yes, I am. Um, I'm really grateful for the the first steps in coaching that I that I got. Um, worked with a guy who um, gave me gave me license to make loads of mistakes. So as somebody who was a company director, I think that's a really admirable skill that his customers and the experience that they were having was really really important. Um, he had the 
um, I guess the trust in me, but also the, um, I guess the, the flexibility, if you like, just to say, do you know what, go on, make some mistakes, um, learn on the job. And I'm here as a bit of a, um, a, a, a set of arms to fall into if and when you need it. Um, that then led me to, um, I did a little bit of my own coaching, sort of ran a little bit of a, a small business, um, which, which taught me to, um, I guess, see the importance of customers um, and, and to give them a positive experience time, in, time and time again so that they kept returning because that, that's what paid the bills. Then got an opportunity to work for the FA, work with some unbelievable people um, who shaped me. Um, that's when I became, um, I guess, a little bit more comfortable with chaos. I learned about um, coaching within games. Um, oh, you influenced you in the FA? Give me some names of some people. Yeah, some big influences would be Pete Sturgis would be a huge influence, um, who's still rocking it and doing some brilliant, brilliant work. Um, I work very, very closely with um, a fantastic team of coaches in Robbie Pringle, uh, Graham Carrick, who's Michael Carrick's uh, brother, now doing some brilliant stuff uh, high up in the FA. Uh, Rich Shuttleworth. I mean, too many to mention, really. Um, but uh, they certainly influenced me. We, we had license, just like I had under my first boss, to um, experiment with ideas. So we played about with some stuff. We made a ton of mistakes. The kids were having a pretty positive time. Um, we, we would meet often. Um, we would talk about what stuff is working and make sure that we did that more often. Games tended to be the thing. I then got the opportunity to go into a professional uh, football club environment. So I worked at two professional football club academies. Um, so I had uh, an opportunity to see how the land lay there. Um, that brought about different challenges, but lots and lots of different opportunities as well. Um, I then found myself stuck on a hamster's wheel, for want of a better word. I was probably churning out a lot of the same stuff. Um, and decided to step away, go to university, study an MSc in sport coaching. Um, again, had, had the opportunity to work with some brilliant people, to, to learn alongside some brilliant people. Um, and then that, that kind of takes me to today, just doing a bit of coaching, trying to make ends meet, trying to have a little bit of an impact and, and um, positively, um, I, I guess, you know, just inspire as many young and old people as I can possibly get my hands on. And making dystopian robots to, uh, <clears throat> to put in the background. I like it. What, yeah. um, so you, you've been studying at Leeds Beckett. What, what type of stuff have, has been going on there? What are the, what's the good stuff that's going there? Obviously, oh, there's like Andy Abraham there and, and Mike. And so do you just tell me about what's happening there. Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, you know, you've mentioned a couple, you know, there's, there's so many other to mention. It, it's, it's an, it's a, an environment which certainly challenged my thinking. It, it um, they presented to me a, a model, uh, which we worked through, which was a, a kind of a who, what, how model. Yeah. So um, I, I guess one of my biggest learnings that that's worth sharing would be that I learned the value of starting with the child in mind. Um, so if we, I worry that there's um, in coaching, we are very, very quick to start with the game and to try and impose the game on young people um, rather than start with the, with the child or learner that's in front of you. Um, that then shapes how you go about. So if you look at the age and stage characteristics of a young person, um, 
I'll use a, I don't know, a, a child in the formative years is a, is a good example, um, who is uh, generally pretty egocentric by nature. Um, they're very much in their own world, in their own head. Um, if it's a rugby ball or a football, they're going to see that as a toy. Um, if we start with that rather than the game, we're probably going to make some some different choices about what it is they should learn. Um, if you start with the game, you're probably going to try and work against those children rather than with them because the, the game on match of the day will show you lots and lots of pass and move, pass and move. Um, the world of a, of a seven, eight and nine-year-old is going to tell you they want to keep the ball. Um, so I think you've got, a cho- you've got a choice here. You can either embrace those age and stage characteristics and work with them um, by, I guess, using that stage of their development to develop um, me and my ball skills, to develop um, skills in rugby might be deception. Um, so you might look at, at different ways to to beat an opponent as an individual. You might just want to look at some uh, small group work rather than the bigger game. But yeah. because that's what we see on match of the day, I think there's a, there's a hurry to to get the kids to the game. Um, and and yeah, for me, once you've got the who, you can then identify the how. Uh, sorry, the what, which then influences how you then go about coaching. Cool. Well, I like that. And what I mean, what have you noticed in kids' sport? What's the What's the stuff you've seen done well? Uh, what's the kind of stuff that's going to make it even better? Um, I, I mean, I think, yeah, f- for me, I, I really think we need to shift coaching from um, a, a position of leadership and, and leading to one of support. Um, I, I think simply imposing our thoughts and ideas on children is just going to place a, a ceiling on, on what their potential is. Um, I have got a, a worry. Um, that supervision is now gone. Um, I think we're now a surveillance team of adults. I think um, (laughs) that's what children face. I think um, society's changed in such a way that, you know, children are almost always in the presence of adults now. Um, And those adults are there ready to to pounce and intervene, protect, prevent um, children from just generally practicing um, skills independently. And, 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 And that would be... I think that's the um, that's the train we need to get back on. I think we've got to get kids doing things a bit more independently. We've got to get out the way of children a little bit more. Um, I just think we've we've gone too far towards uh, surveillance, um, and, and I would really worry about that. Um, the other big thing is that again, if you start with a child in mind, so if if I don't know if a child is eight, um, they're not going to turn nineteen until. Uh, 2030 um and again i think that's a pretty important realization for people because i don't know what next week looks like i definitely don't know what 2030 is going to look like um so we probably want to start working with the kids rather than um again just pushing information into them because that information is definitely going to be outdated um i was fortunate enough to do some um work around what i call skills for the future so having a little look at um what research is saying about um, skills that might be important um, for for the uncertain uh, future that, that that's ahead of us, and and the stuff that's kind of coming back is um, an adaptive skill base. Um, so if if the if the future world's going to be uncertain, uh, it's certainly going to be fast changing. It's getting faster and faster. You're going to have to be able to adapt. 
Um, I think that has implications for us as coaches. How adaptive um, are we making our players or are we allowing players to be uh, through practice and game design? Um, mechanisms for, co- for coping. So that will be really, really important um, that uh, we move towards more motivated, resilient young people. Um, I've definitely seen a change. I, I think kids are less resilient now. Um, and I think adults are responsible. Um, and an appetite for learning. So again, um, yeah, probably the greatest performance advantage in the world is to learn faster than anybody else. Um, I just don't think we put enough focus on on getting kids to be passionate about uh, about learning. Um, you and Fletch and the Magic Academy are, are full of curiosity. Um, wouldn't it be a great world if everybody was just full of curiosity? Yeah, um, you're feeling all my biases around cards and creating a good learning environment and motivation and kids falling in love with sport and learning and yeah, I just don't, I, I'm with you, I just don't see why it isn't the norm. Um, and I'm just imagining lots of adults with, with glasses on and a microphone, you know, standing over kids and just keeping an eye out for them a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's all about me. So you've got this 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 culture on one hand, which is it's all about me. I am the coach. I am the powerful one. I have all this information that I must give out. And I think there's perceptions that come with that. I think that it's one of the there's so much uh, good to come from things like the E Triple P and uh, the rise in sport and uh, the white van man who goes into schools and delivers PE because it's giving people an employment. Um, However, I also think what comes with that are false uh, perceptions about I'm paying you to coach, therefore you need to do something. Um, And I think communicating and educating parents would be really, really helpful. Um, I think they would be the first, and from my own experience, you know, they will get on board if they... Um, if you speak with them, if you share with them uh, the reasons for um, actually leaving kids to do stuff on their own, making it more playful, making it a little bit more chaotic, um, why I'm not carrying a whistle, you know, but until you have those conversations, they're going to, they're going to expect coaching to look the same as it's always looked. Um, The other one is, is probably just acknowledging um, what young people bring to the table. Um, I mentioned to you before, I've got a pretty cool, cool video um, that's about a one minute audio. If I, if I put that on now, that might spark some pretty cool discussion. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really about um, how, how, how everybody comes to a learning experience with a different, a different perspective. Are you ready? Are you ready? You're gonna, you're gonna I'm on? ready. We're going to, we're going to whop it on. Here we go. I spy with my bored little eyes. Something beginning with T. Breakfast! My breakfast always begins with tea. Then I have a little sausage. Then an egg with some little soldiers. When I said it begins with tea, I was talking about a letter. No, it never begins with a letter. The postman don't come till 10.30. I can't go on with this, George. Take over. Right, um, I spy with my little eye something beginning with R. Arnie.
I mean, my question on the back of that is how many coaches are still coaching like Blackadder? You know, with one, there's there's one solution here. There's one view of the world. It's mine. Therefore, you're wrong. Because is Baldrick really making mistakes or is he just seeing things from a different perspective? And and I think that's really, really um, useful for us to to just consider as coaches that every every participant that arrives at your session is arriving as an individual. Um, and I just think we've got to take a bit more notice of those individuals and what they are bringing to the table. Especially Baldrick's. Especially the Baldrick's of the world, yeah. Because actually, again... Um, you know, you can relate that experience to, to lots and lots of coach and player interactions. Um, that experience is probably not going to uh, um, encourage a young learner to, uh, or certainly not going to encourage Baldrick to speak up again in the future. Um, that would be yes, I had a similar example last night. I did deliver to some uh, mentors at the University of South Wales, and one of the guys spoke about that. They had this girl who had lots of issues of anxiety and actually she'd eventually come into assembly and it was like the first time she'd ever come in, it was like a real big leap for her. She came down, she sat near the front, which was like even more incredible. And she had her coat on. And so one of the teachers told her off for her coat. So the, the first time she'd ever come in and made that big leap and actually he had so little understanding of her and her context that she, it'll... As he said, it'll be months till she comes back into assembly again after that experience. Yeah, so yeah. I'm with you that actually every day should feel like the best, the best first day at work ever. Um, <clears throat> just be mindful of we get stuff wrong with kids. It's it could be pretty seismic the impacts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I had a pretty pretty seismic um, sort of disaster really with uh, with my own son. Um, this was a this was a pretty recent but also pretty cool um learning moment for me um probably at the start of last year uh so 2018 um found myself um not able to get within five meters of my son he had a bit of a, a force field around him that that everybody could could enter but me um you know including the milkman and the the postman but that's maybe another story um but no i i, I just i just couldn't get get near him you know he would keep me at, at arm's length um he didn't want me nearby and um the 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 top and bottom of it was i was i was working heavily at that point i was doing a lot of a lot of studying i was spending a lot of time in front of a computer screen um i was i was uh, dipping in and out of his world um and we went on holiday so we had a we had a bit of a mini break uh took some time up in edinburgh in the lake district um deliberately left my computer left my um phone at home um and overnight was was welcomed into his world and, and became, um, you know, his, his, you know, his, his, his new best friend, um, you know, and actually what I learned from that experience, it's about if you're in the room, be in the room. And I think that's, I think that's really relevant for, for parents as well as it is for coaches. So we can say we're in the room and we can say that we're engaging with our child or that we're, we're spending time finding out about the children, but they're very, very quick, very, very quick to recognize whether you're, really just paying lip service to that idea or and 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 how um how true you are to and you know how meant it is and it's about relationship right so i I learned a really important uh, lesson on relationships which is that relationships are built on trust and and relationships are stronger and understanding is greater um if you're entirely present if you are in the room 
um, and you are interested in, in what it is that's going on and remembering that it's their world. So I think the term world is really important um, because each of us have our own um, and we've got to listen intently to what's going on. So the individual that arrives might be very different to the individual that came last week because they've just, they've had a week of, of stuff. They've had a week of people um, pushing information into them, telling them what they can and what they can't do. They might've also had some incredible experiences. So listen intently to those. And, and really I just learned to value um, his input into those experiences. Um, and, and that was probably to me, one of the, if not the biggest coaching lesson I've had in life. And it came through parenting and that is, really just to, to be and live the feelings and thoughts of the moment. Yeah, that would be good advice from Russ Earnshaw, if only he was listening. Um, <laughs> and I often, that would be my typical question to people, how's your world? Um, it's actually, instead of me asking how are you or what, you know, actually how's your world, people then start to give me more stuff and uh, I really enjoy it as a question. Um, little do people know that you are part of the, so the coach development card, you're actually, you're on the box, aren't you? See, so you, you, your, um, your, your little uh, baby is the Carecraft crack stuff. Uh, do you want to, do you want to share a little bit about that? I know it wasn't something that we were going to talk about, but actually, um, obviously it's, um, it's something we, we're kind of excited about, but do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I mean, obviously still a work in progress. Um, I think three really powerful words. Um, and, and for me, um, they, they point towards, um, skills of a good coach. Um, so, and I guess a well-rounded coach as well. So you, we all know teachers and, 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 um, and coaches who show really, really top levels of care. Um, but it might be that their, their craft, um, is, is an area to improve or actually they're just really miserable. So they really care, but actually they struggle to connect with people because they're just not that much fun. Um, on the other hand, you might have the, 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 the person who's great fun to be around, but actually um, when it comes to, to positively impacting the players on the pitch, um, you know, then maybe they're falling a little bit short. So really it was the three C's um, that actually came from, from my own values really, which was I, I started reflecting on, uh, my own personal values and how that impacts me as a coach. So my values um, would be love, joy, and kindness. Um, what I try and do is I try and reflect against those, um, usually in the car home, pretty informally, um, and just say, um, "Did I live? My, did I live my values today?" And, and some days I do, and other days I don't. But it's a really, it's a really useful um, tool to use when if you've had a I don't know, a poor, poor interaction and experience with a player to reflect against it and say, actually, how kind was I in that, in, in that setting? Or if two players have had a squabble, um, you know, have we, have we managed to um, reinforce those values um, if, if we believe them to be important before we've left or have we left it on a, on a pretty sour note? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the way I would describe them um, would be care. Um, pardon my French on this one. It's about actually giving a shit, um, turning up and actually giving a shit to find out about your players and to respond to your players and to be in the moment 
with your players. Uh, craft would be positively impacting your players. Um, so the craft of coaching would be um, stuff around your, your practice design, would be stuff around your intervention strategies, would be stuff around um, how we get players to look at the game in different ways. Um, and crack is about, is about value in good times had by all. Um, and actually understanding that fun and um, laughter and smiles and um, just general humor, you know, is a really, really important driver and a motivating factor for people to keep turning up. Now, if you want to get good at something, you have to keep doing it. Um, if you if you turn off the fun factor, people are probably going to drop out of sport. Um, human beings are pretty emotionally driven. You know, we're, we're emotionally driven. Um, children especially so interest sparks learning um, in my view um, if you're too serious as a coach I mean that would be another lesson I would I, I, I've probably learned is just to stop taking yourself so bloody seriously you know don't take yourself so seriously and actually everything looks a little bit better I would love um, to have seen a you yeah um, I, I think I was serious I was pretty serious um, as far as um, just just feeling I was important I'm really not very important but but I'm happy to be around and um yeah carecraft crack I think it's got some legs um it's it's our version of uh Nike's just do it um but yeah I mean if 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 it's better, if, it's better, than, it's better than Nike's just do it if you as a coach can 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 display you know good levels let's, of care let's go, through, let's go through each of them so i want you to either talk about a coach or an environment or, or preferably both for each one of them so care give me some coaches or some environments you've been to or you're, you're aware of um yeah i think uh, probably some of the biggest influences on me i, I, I think fletch is a is a really caring caring coach so there's somebody who um who always has time for people who ask questions and listens. Um, I think there's lots of coaches who ask questions but don't listen. Um, care about people's development. Um, Pete Sturges, Barney Jones, you know, th these are three big, big influences on me. And probably above everything that they deliver on, it is just a genuine care for the person that they're, that they're in the moment with. And, and, and I use that, that term quite a lot as in the moment. Um, you know, being entirely present, I think that all falls under care. Um, can, I, can I add some care? Yeah, Peter, Peter Walton, some people would say it's pink and fluffy. It isn't. Um, Saracen's Rugby Club. Um, the guys at Birmingham City Academy, so Dodsey, Stu English, Christian, um, and then Aidan at the Falcons. Genuinely, I've had phone calls with him about stuff where people haven't cared for their players and I've I, I just think he's just going to cry down the phone because he's like it's the most important thing to him yeah I mean I, I, I actually think it's the most important thing full stop you know uh, regardless you know if, um, there's a great saying isn't there which is that um, it, it might be this but nobody cares no, nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care that you know something along those lines yeah um, but yeah you know that for me is the is the absolute pinnacle. Let's do craft. Who does craft well? Uh, so craft, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm fortunate to work with some people um, in the role that I'm currently in um, who who bring real good knowledge of the game, but are able to present that in you know through some problems and some scenarios. Um, I think sometimes the danger is that 
when you have knowledge, um, you the easy solution is just to give that information. Um, I, I actually think the most the most um, the most impactful experiences are ones where you've worked through it with support rather than you're just handed it on a plate. Um, again, I, I really like the work that you guys are doing. I, I like the way that you, you're, um, you're challenging players. I like the way that you are um, creating environments in which players can explore. Um, there is no, just, there's no one answer. Um, I, I really like that. Uh, what are you thinking? I've gone John Fletcher. He's the best on the grass I've seen. I've gone. Um, what is it about John? What, what, what would you say is so good about John's craft? Um, I think he simplifies stuff that um, lots of people would make very complicated, and he goes, and he and he can then support players with with that and understanding it and implementing it. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the nag stuff from hockey. So um, I give a shout out to. Sarah Kelleher on this, I think she's strong. Uh, I think Brit School as an environment is 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 class at this. Um, I mean, it's self-selecting in terms of kids that that are, are passionate about the craft of 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 the of music and the arts. However, the way the teachers take a step back, they speak the same language as the kids. They the kids are in charge. The kids have responsibility. I think that's a, that's pretty crafty. I'm enjoying that. Uh, what about crack? What are you thinking about with crack? Yeah, crack. I mean, interestingly, some of my um, some some of the the um, best examples of crack in environments where people genuinely don't take themselves too seriously would would probably be volunteers and and the grassroots environment. I, w- I wonder at times whether that's because um, they they feel um, I guess less informed from a from a technical tactical point of view, so they actually just just prioritise the fun uh, the fun factor. So I've seen some really good examples of that. I think again, um, just getting excited and being in their world. Um, again, Pete does that really really well. Um, I'm fortunate to work with some people that that, that do that at the moment. Um, but yeah, some volunteers. Uh, There's a guy called Andy, Andy Williamson once who who unfortunately is not coaching at the moment. Uh, bumped into him in the pub not so long ago. He was just an excitable enthusiast who you just couldn't help but be around. Um, he he would balance, um, you know, fun with interest. With it, it was just such a positive positive experience. You couldn't help but leave feeling enlightened. Cool. I'm thinking Saracens creating memories. Uh, Clark Laidlaw, New Zealand Sevens, talking about love and also you know how they integrate players in and how they talk about their super strengths which is pretty exciting for a for a for a top end team i'm thinking i'm thinking after last night ole gunnar solskjaer i mean quite frankly looks like it's awesome playing for man united at the moment yeah without a doubt i mean you know he's probably displaying the three c's he's, he's definitely displaying the at the moment. you would um, give him you'd give him a badge to say he's achieved it would you yeah, I think he's 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 reached his first level. He can be a level one, I think. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, what 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 it's there for, I think, uh, Rusty is. I've used it as a um, as a tool um, or a framework just to have a conversation, just to get people thinking about actually, uh, you know, how how fun is this environment, and and how fun am I being 
Um, again, it's that kind of rule of just don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I've had some coaches who've reflected against that and said, do you know what? I just need to simmer down a little bit. I am a little bit over the top. Actually, that was quite fun. Maybe we just need to have a laugh. And, and again, it's, it's that measure of smiles and laughter. Uh, you, you know, again, it's happiness is such an important thing. You know, that would definitely be one of my dreams is just to see more children living happy and healthy lives. Um, but how, how often do we measure it? So in school, how, how, how often does, does happiness um, and smiles and does laughter appear in their, in their mission statement or objectives or their, um, the, 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 the benchmarks? Um, well, it, it does. However, they just don't attend to it. So mm. well, the same last night we were talking about it. Actually, if you measured happiness, mental health, well-being, whatever it is, I think you'd get better exam results. So actually, if you supported kids in being really resilient and adaptable and then and you focused on those skills, I think you'd do really well. And we could definitely all rest easy at night uh, around, you know, clearly there's there's a lot of stuff going on for young people at the moment that's that's not that not that good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I mean, from a, from a classroom point of view and from a learning point of view, you know, attention is really important. Now you're going to attend to things that, that spark your interest. And again, you know, you're not going to engage so well with things that don't, don't, uh, you know, motivate you, don't make you happy, don't spark that interest and that curiosity. So again, I, I mean, I think it's, it's essential, right? And you, you're going to enter the, the learning environment with, um, you know, with a really positive mood if if happiness is something that's valued you know having fun is welcomed here that's a learning space that i want to go into not one where actually you can't you, you can't have fun here you just get told off you know that that's not that's not for me and i mean that maybe leads us on to something that fletch and i talked about which is that again if we want to go back to sort of the, the children's coaching world um we were talking about match days and how um match days can be a really stressful experience for coaches and I don't know why I find it really baffling it should be the highlight of the week for everybody you know it's an opportunity to see what the kids have learned how they put it into practice against you know often some children that we know nothing about so again if we if we welcome um, adaptive expertise and we want to develop that what better environment to do it in than an unpredictable one where the opposition you don't know Um, and I used a phrase which is, are you viewing this, so as a coach, are we viewing today as an experience or as an event? Um, and I think that has some really strong implications. I think the coach that's result-centred uh, will view the game as an event. Um, they're much more likely to, be, to become emotionally involved in the game. Um, how they feed back to the players, how they interact to, uh, the, with the players, even how they enter conversations with the parents will be influenced by those emotions. Um, the coach that's learning centered, um, therefore more likely to see it as an experience in my eyes. They're much more likely to create an environment with the players, the parents themselves, where actually they can leave feeling like winners, regardless of what the scoreboard says. If you um, call it a match, what would you call it? If I couldn't call it a match? Yeah, I mean, um, a match would have implications for, you know, traditionally this is what a match is type stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, it's just about play. You yeah. know, it's an opportunity to play. I think play is a really powerful, um, a powerful word um, that's that's probably underused. 
Um, there's a lot of people who think, oh, well, if it's playful, it can't be learning. You know, playful's not serious. Yeah, get over yourselves. Let the kids play. That's that just needs. That's a message that needs to needs to be um, put out there far more often. You know, kids need freedom to play. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, I've got a c- couple of cool stories on that one, which would be would, would maybe hit home. Um, so, in encouraging coaches to view um, the match day as an experience, led to this. Um, I was on the sideline with a coach, um, just a just a grassroots volunteer coach, fresh into coaching, um, who was getting frustrated because every time the ball went out of play, um, his team would, or a number of his team would kind of uh, get together and have a conversation. And it was bugging him because they weren't ready when the ball came back into play. And I said, okay, you know, in football, it's quite important that you embed this idea that the game never stops. But actually, in a kid's world, the game does stop because it goes out of play and nobody's doing anything with the ball. So what we decided to do was I presented them with an idea of a scramble. I said, why don't we introduce this rule and we'll agree it with the other team and with the referee, which says that when the ball goes out of play, um, it's anybody's ball. It's a scramble first to get two hands on it. And it changed behaviour. In, in an instant, it changed behaviour. The kids thought it was wonderful. There was no more regrouping for conversations. The kids were absolutely in the moment, enjoying that experience. Um, and it just changed. But then it led to a conversation at the end of the game um, about why behaviour changed and also around the importance of um, staying in the game, you know, keep keeping your head in the game. Other ones would be... Um, uh, another grassroots coach who I did some work with um, had a, a great idea that he, he wanted his kids to play as much as possible. So he put them into, rather than having one match day where they'd all go, um, he would enter them into, or enter them, he would organise for them um, games that could run side by side. One would be futsal, one would be football. So they had a mix of experiences. He would rotate them around. Um, and he said, but what do I do when uh, the players get tired? Because normally we would bring on substitutes. And I said, well, if we're viewing it as an event, you would, you would definitely want some substitutes because you'd want to freshen it up often and you know, give yourself the best opportunity to, um, to win that game and to be better than your opponent. Or what you could do is you could actually see it as a really useful experience for the kids to understand that sometimes you might play a game where you're feeling a bit tired. Yes. And, and, and that actually that's that's a really valuable lesson to, to to learn and that you might have to change how you play somewhat when your legs are a bit tired. And he said, well, what about the day when somebody's missing? I said, well, what, what options have you got? And he said, well, we could just play with four. And the other week he actually he sent me a text message because this had happened. One player, there was nine and, and he and he he thought about inviting a player off the other team or no, that they would take one off and it would become 4v4. And he said, you know, I'm not going to do that. We'll just play with four and we'll have a chat around the experience that the kids are having when they've got one less. So that was really cool. And it, and, and those guys are certainly um, a lot less stressed about the coaching. You know, they feel a lot happier in themselves. And I think the players are really learning something um, because actually, even if the ball goes in your net, what a great learning experience, you know, what a great opportunity to have a discussion. Um, for me, let's get excited by that. It's, I, I always talk about boxing as the best feedback sport because if you get your guard wrong or you don't move your feet quick enough, you get punched in the face. <laughs> for me, that's great feedback. You know, I, I think we, we, we need, um, 
we need to create a, a world in team sports where individuals are getting really good feedback from the game, yeah. um, like, like you do in boxing. Because Just getting you know, punched in the face a bit more often. Well, absolutely. You know, you get punched in the face and you quickly, you quickly learn. It's the same as um, variety of experiences. I think variety of experiences is really, really key. If you view your match day or you just view um, your engagement with the children as an experience and not, not about the next 10 minutes, it needs to be more about the next 10 years. Right, well, let's give them a real blast uh, of a variety of so many different things. You would have them playing on different surfaces you would have them playing with imbalanced uh, teams. You would have them playing against older kids, younger kids. Um, you, would, you would have them playing in, in situations that are tough. You'd have them playing in situations that are easy. For me, it is about variety. It's so important. Different size pitches, different types of balls, different scoring systems, different teammates, you know, the, the whole shebang. Um, okay, I'm getting close to... To, to finishing so I've got, I've got one thing uh, one question then I've got you some quick response stuff um, three top tips for coaches three top tips uh, start with the child in mind yeah that would be my go to every time um, d- d- don't go into a, a match day experience with an us versus them mentality work with your other coaches you know be there as a as a, as a group of coaches that want to work together. Um, I, I really don't understand that. I, I can't understand um, a world where young learners who are developing and learning about a sport and are just there to have a good experience um, and they come as rivals or they come as, you know, two the teams. Big, that the big going. battle, the big clash against our... You need to come and watch some junior rugby in Bristol, mate. You realise you're wrong. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've seen little, little glimmers. I mean, uh, you know, imagine a world where coaches, um, w- you know, work together. It would just be, it would be so refreshing. It, I'm telling you, Rusty, that doesn't happen in football. Um, you know, I, I would like to see, I was telling Fletch this, I'd love to see some coaches explore this where they turn up at a match and rather it be our team talk and your team talk, why not all get together? Or let's do a little, let's invite the opposition to observe our team and, and I'll observe your team and, and we'll, we'll touch base at regular intervals and we'll just share what we're seeing. That's got to be helpful. And then the other one, um, I'm not sure how many I've given you. Um, You've given me two, however. The last one, Matt Norman is doing that at Kingsbridge and in the Nags Camp, England and Ireland coaches did that. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and last one, I, what's your last one? Uh, last one would be, um, if children have interest, learning happens. So I'd probably say, um, yeah, prioritise fun, get on, get on board with what's making them tick, what's getting them excited, probably use that as a start point for your coaching. Um, yeah, that, that would be, that, they would be mine. One of the mentors last night spoke about really struggling to connect with this girl and then noticed she had beautiful fingernails and said, oh, you have beautiful fingernails. And that just opened up a conversation that opened up lots of other things. Find it, find out what they're interested in. Okay, one more. Well, actually, I think an, an, another really important is just what you value. So if you um, if you want to see things, just make sure you value it uh, in your environment. So if, um, if 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 creativity is important and you want people to try um, new things, if 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 you want people to be um, experimental in the play, 
then just make sure that um, you've that they know that it's it's valued in this environment to do things that are unusual or different, you know, and you're not going to go down the next and make sure that you're offering that support unconditionally. It's not just kind of when things are easy or it's not just on a good day. It's it's every day. Nice. Cool. Going to finish with some one word answers. This might be hard for you. Uh, John Fletcher. Caring. Andy Abraham. Challenging. Magic Academy. Um, Told you it'd be hard. I think revolutionary. Uh, performance. Told you it's gonna be hard. Told you yeah. it's gonna be hard. That's good. Performance. Um, individual. It's an Deve- individual. Development. Uh, learning. Family. Bedrock. Robot. Uh, the future. <laughs> Coaching. Um, responsibility. Kids. The reason I say that is that, because um, I noticed that you, you look quite blankly at my response. Um, I, I really, really applaud and... Um, uh, I really commend the contribution that coaches make because it's it's an incredible responsibility on their shoulders. I think it's the same as teachers, and I think it's the same as um, as parents. Um, we are tasked with um, readying young people for a world that doesn't exist. If that's not a responsibility and a huge one, then I don't know what is. Um, so, I mean, you know huge round of applause to anybody who who um who engages with it who contributes the time energy and effort towards the development of young people um it's scary, but, it's scary when you think of it like that isn't it that actually yeah, it, i call the suzanne brown phrase but we're the architects of each other's brains absolutely and and and, and with that comes yes the responsibility you know and just choose your words your actions your behaviors um really really wisely Really wisely. Uh, last word, kids. The future. The future. I knew you'd say that. Nice, mate. Look, it's been a pleasure. I got loads of little nuggets from that that I'm gonna steal and claim as my own. I'll give you a give you a shout out as well. Please um, do. Um, where yeah. can people find you? So you 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 on you're in the Twitter sphere, are you? Uh, I am. Um, I'm not very active on it, if I'm honest. Um, I'm, You've got I'm a cool it. picture. I love your picture. Yeah, what is it? I don't even know what it is. Like a man, like dancing or bending backwards. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. A, I've, I've got some moves. I've got some moves. Maybe it's that. Um, <laughs> yeah, people can find me on Twitter. I, I think it's J Williams underscore N E. Um, I would love to engage with people. I, I think the thing that's getting me most excited about your movement, um, the magic movement, I think the thing that's getting me most excited about the world of coaching, although it's happening slowly, is that sports are starting to collaborate. Um, I'm starting to see and hear um, people sharing practice from one one sports domain to another. Um, and that's pretty exciting for me. So I would love to touch base with um 
with, with people from different worlds. There's so much I'll learn. Um, and I would love to hear how people make sense of, of this disjointed conversation. Cause I, I think if you put you and me in a room, it's, it's never going to be all that structured. We're never going to stay on one path. It's a bit like the forest analogy. We've explored the forest. I'm, I think we're now lost. Yeah, well, there was one thing I was that we'll definitely do the next pod on, and that was, and, and the fact that you want to engage with people probably brings it to life. But actually, how are we translating academia under the pitch? So I'll leave that with you. I'm going to leave it with you, and we're going to touch base on it last time. But yeah, huge, my, massive thanks, and uh, yeah, great to uh, great to walk through the forest with you, uh, albeit on uh, on Zoom today. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for your time. Cheers, dude. Bye. Over and out. See you. Bye.